Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And it's Techtober. Yeah. But like about to really be Techtober. Yeah, it's like the calm before the storm. I think last year, Techtober was in, absolutely insane because you have the iPhone event pushback. You have PlayStation 5 coming out. You, I like looked at our videos from last October and it was absolutely insane it was a lot yeah uh this year and it's kind of funny because it sort of lined up all right one after the other i think it's monday cool. tuesday wednesday yeah. we have three different events three mm -hmm. huge ones it's a apple event on monday it's a google event on tuesday it's a samsung event on wednesday <laughs> yeah. that's like that's we're gonna be right in the thick of it mm -hmm. so and even the calm before you storm we mentioned like we just reviewed a bunch of stuff the apple watch being the latest one and so it's a calm, but there's still a lot going on, and it's, it's about to level up. It's there, but next week seems to just all just happen all at once, yeah. and it's going to be a crazy week. It's um, great. Fun part is next week is also the the beginning of nationals for our, our yeah, college team or club team. Club team, yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll be spending. I'll be spending a, a couple of days away You'll from the tech. Live here, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll live here for a bit. Then I'll go out to. Uh, it's in California. I'll be totally away from the tech, and then I'll be right back immersed mm -hmm. in it. Sort of like. What do they, you know, when you dip someone's head in like hot water, cold water, hot water, it's supposed to like reset you. I don't know. Oh, it just sounds like torture. It probably is torture. That might be what next week's like anyways. It'll so. be pretty great. Yeah. Uh, so we have what? Apple event. We're, we don't want to talk too much about all this because next week we're obviously going to go in depth of all of it, but just like yeah. a quick what we might expect. So Apple event on Monday, I think everyone's hoping for M1 MacBook. Yeah, let me relook. Let me look at the invitation again. This is what we all do. We look at the invitation and and yeah. analyze the ever loving daylight. So it's something out about of it. like hyperspeed, right? And has like a, so it looks like light speed. Yes. Yeah, so it's a, it's an Apple logo with like this sort of warp speed animation, mm -hmm. and it just says unleashed. Period. Yeah. That's the word they keep using. All the all the execs on Twitter are saying we're going to unleash something. To me, that means M1X. Like M1, we've seen in uh, this new chip in the MacBook Pro. I'm using an M1 MacBook Pro, but we've seen it in the iPad and the MacBook Air and the Mac Mini and all that. Mm -hmm. And M1X is them unleashing Apple Silicon at a oh. high level. That's what that's what I read into it. And obviously, you know, moving fast is the warp speed animation. But we may also see some other stuff like AirPods, possibly. Yeah, so I think everyone thought AirPods was going to happen earlier, and it didn't. So it seems 
if it's true, seems kind of like a gimme on this one, but like hyper unleash is definitely and warp speed kind of stuff is not describing AirPods. So yeah. it's gotta yeah. be something else. I was thinking just the what, cause that's the the smaller version M1 MacBook Pro. Right. I was just thinking so. maybe the 16 inch version we yes. get, not necessarily M1X, which is totally different. Well, so or, we don't really know exactly. I mean, yeah. this is the question. So we have this M1 that has been incredibly versatile and yes. they've put it in the baseline MacBook Air, but it's also ended up in this 13 inch MacBook Pro. Mm -hmm. So it's that good. Uh, we're expecting at least, this is what I'm sort of roughly anticipating yeah. is a 14 inch and 16 inch MacBook Pro that are higher end than okay. this. And that would be the M1X chip in those higher end machines. Possibly that same chip could end up in an iMac Pro because we saw M1 yeah. in the baseline iMac, but we haven't refreshed the now discontinued iMac Pro. Maybe there's a high-end unleashed M1X iMac Pro as okay. well. Okay, okay. Um, that's so it, kind of it, yeah. It feels like we're, and speculation, but probably getting AirPods and a new MacBook. What we're really, really hoping for is this like new crazy M1 chip right. in a MacBook, maybe even an iMac. That would be like, Best event, yeah. best possible scenario. Yeah, high, higher end Apple Silicon in the Macs. Cool. And I think maybe the AirPods are like one more thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah maybe there's, like there's all kinds of other little rumors about like maybe a 120 hertz display, maybe mini LED. These laptops have all kinds of other rumors about them. I think they kept saying they were going to get rid of the touch bar, uh, huh. which would be pretty sick. Maybe With an SD card screens? slot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Maybe maybe <laughs> the maybe the SD card slot comes back. I'm not going to get my hopes up too high for that, but mainly yeah. this looks like an Apple Silicon thing. Okay, cool. And we have a Google event on Tuesday, which we know is Pixel 6. Uh, we had kind of like all this crazy marketing stuff from them where we've basically seen the phone, but there's still some things we're waiting on. Yeah. Um, strangest, strangest launch strategy. It's a very strange one, but that's just kind of what Google's done, like when they leaked everything because it got leaked. And we saw a disassembly video already of yep. it. Um, I'm excited. I still am not fully on board with the design, but I've also become a case person in the last year. Oh, so really? design matters a little less to me. Yeah, this this um, is an interesting one with like the uh, the camera bar on the back, which is yes. like it's a it's a it's a feature, it's a design feature for sure. But then when you put sure. a case on it, you kind of kind of get rid of that feature as with, far as like protrusion. Yeah, that's the thing is like it looks kind of strange to me. I wish they kind of uh, like put it on the top, almost like how the S twenty one like is continuous with the top edge of it, and then it would kind of look like a Nexus six P. Mm -hmm. um, but Again, I've turned into a case person. I've found this thing where I just love tossing my phone wherever and never worrying about it. Like literally just dropping my phone. And, and which pixel are you on? 4XL. 4XL. So yeah. that's that's a bigger phone, but are you are you leaning one way or another towards like we have Pixel 6 and 6 Pro coming? Yeah, I think it'll mostly come down to price, which one, because both of them, like I can do the lower one with what we've seen from it so far. Like yeah. those things don't bother me. Just whichever one seems like the better deal, I think I'll wind up picking. Fair. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we'll see. As long as it's also good, we get the little privilege of being able to review it beforehand. So I'll probably won't be a first pre order. I'll probably gauge it. And then if not, I might go, I might just get an old S21, an old quote unquote. But uh, yeah, it's time for an upgrade for sure. Word. Okay. Then and we get to Wednesday. And we, there was a surprise Samsung announcement. Yeah. So it's an unpacked like two event. Yeah. And it's not quite, I mean, this isn't 
this probably won't be like a bunch of phones or anything. I don't think we're going to see a Galaxy Note. There have been no indications well, that this would be a Note event. It's the first thing that came to my mind. Like a lot of things crossed my mind. The yeah. first thing that came was a Note. And it's funny because I wanted to know what you thought about that because you've been pretty adamant on not discontinuing the Note series. And right. like when we first heard the unpacked event and only saw Fold, you're like, no, no, I still think there will be a Note. Yeah. Not Maybe not at that event, maybe sometime later. So... At first, I thought that, but the fact that they're calling it Unpack 2 feels more like this isn't a whole thing by itself. It reminds me of when they released FE last year, where right, it was like right. this kind of secondary event. I don't think there was really any in-person It was pretty chill, or, yeah. pretty quiet, yeah. Um, yeah, it was actually kind of a surprise when we got that phone. So Yeah, and wound up being phone of the year, too. So, exactly. Um, so this one, yeah, we'll see. It's funny. I My question now with the Note is like, at what point do we consider the Note canceled like obviously if there's some sort of official no more note announcement then it's yes. canceled but what if it just goes for two years without hearing anything about the note is it canceled my then? i would say next august is when we can make that decision so like you are now two events over when it normally launches okay. yeah. um but yeah i i don't know what's going to come my my second thought after thinking note would be an s21 fan edition just because of the timing like last year but We've seen like zero leaks or anything of this. Usually before a phone event, we've seen a couple of renders or something. So I really have no idea what's going to come out of this. Yeah, this event, which again, you could read super into, is a bunch of like blue, black, yellow, and pink squares all like lining up sort of like a like an ecosystem and then a couple different Samsung that's what, icons I, If I remember correctly, that's what it was last year. It was like the fold and flip one was super obvious yeah, this yeah. time. Um, but a little less Like cryptic. this is a lot harder to tell or exactly yeah. what they're going for. I'm um, hoping for a fridge. A fridge. Yeah. For sure. For they send a review unit and just got a new house. Yeah, I'll take a fridge. We could use it. <laughs> yeah, some fridge fridge action in here um, with the hot sauce. Uh, yeah, so that's three events that we see on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then sick. we just also have like an insane lineup of stuff on the channel. So make sure you're subscribed. There's some really cool things coming up along with all these things, along with other stuff coming out. Um, the second half of October is going to be like five times as much content probably as the it's first half of October. It's going to be great. Yeah. I'm excited for you to see it. Mm -hmm. uh, so we did release our Apple Watch Series 7 video. That's sort of the last review we've had up by the time this podcast goes live. Yeah. I'm wearing it right now. It is the same as the Series 6 in many ways. But as I said in the video, the two like main things that are new, bigger screen, slightly faster charging. Yeah. And that's kind of it. Like, th this is good for people who have either never had an Apple Watch or smartwatch before or have a much older one. Yeah. So now their lineup is this new Series 7, then a Series 3, and the SE. I have a one weird complaint with this watch, okay. which is I get the aluminum version every time I get an Apple Watch mm -hmm. because it is the lightest one and it's durable enough for me and it's also the cheapest. Okay. And this year with Series 7, there is no neutral colored aluminum Apple Watch. So they have what, red, like, green, blue, mm -hmm. and then they have Starlight. this thing called Starlight, mm -hmm. which is, I guess some people would consider it neutral, but it's like a warm, like flesh tone sort yeah. of off gold it's color. It's neutral, but it's not like I consider, stealthy. Yeah, right, right. Neutral to me, I should just define it, is like a shade of black or gray or white. Yeah, yeah. So like silver, gray, space gray, black, something mm -hmm. like that. And then they have Midnight which yeah. is, again, it's just like the, the iPhone closest. 13s, very, very close to dark or to black, but also blue again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's two blue colors. So 
I, maybe I'm picky about it, but like, I don't know. I'm not going to wear a red watch every day. It's, yeah, I was going to say, you're a, wearing red right now. Are you going to get a different one? I've been, I've been testing it. It's pretty bold. I'm going back to the Series 6 because it's black. Just going straight up. So Midnight's, yeah. the upgrade isn't enough to warrant almost black as right. being better than black. Yeah. And this I, is a picky thing for me. Like, no, I, no, but I, I really like that it charges faster because uh-huh. I wear the watch all the time and I need very specific times to charge and I need to get it right. Still say in the car. I should get an in-car charger, (laughs) but it's like I I get in the shower and it's like that's the 12 minutes that that watch has to last the rest of the night and like the next morning. Mm. So I really like the faster charging. I I think that says a lot though, is that the you're one who enjoys upgrading. You're a tech person. You like being in the newest thing possible, but like even an almost black is still not enough there's not enough upsides to the new watch for you to, you'd rather just have black. Right. It says a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's literally like, it's, it's the new system on a chip, but it's the same processor. Like it's, it's yeah, almost it's the like, same computer inside. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, the, the old watch gets watchOS 8 and it's like every bit is functional minus the QWERTY keyboard and like two special watch faces. Yeah. So I'm fine with that. Cool. Um, you know what's kind of interesting though that we've had here at the studio for a little bit now? I mean, I know what it is. I don't know if the <laughs> listeners know what The it listeners is. haven't seen this yet because I haven't posted about it yet. We have an Audi RS e-tron GT here at the studio that I've been testing now for a little over a day. Yeah. I've driven it a bit now. Uh, it is fascinating. And we knew this was going to be a fun car. Like, we've tested the Taycan. We've obviously had Teslas here before and lots of other sporty EVs. Yeah. This would probably be closest to, to what Porsche made. It's built on the same it's platform. It's almost the same thing. Yeah, it's very just similar, stylized, yeah. But it's now the Audi-styled version with an Audi interior. Mm-hmm. And there's a... You got to drive it for a bit as well. Yeah, I, you were gone, so I took the delivery for it. It was it was very hard for me to do, I, you know, I, <laughs> but I, I did it proudly and because I have to for work, but... It's a... Yeah. It's... I love the interior of this car. It's it's really nice. It's really nice. Now, yeah. I... There's a couple of things that I actually don't like about both the exterior and the interior, mm-hmm. but I mean, all the stuff we expect to be good, like driving dynamics, handling, absolutely no body roll, like handling is amazing. I love driving this car. The steering wheel, it's a wheel. It's great. Um, it's the a really thing, nice like leather stitched wheel too. Like, uh, it, it is, is an wheel. Alcantara wheel. Alcantara, okay. And yeah, it's, got these, and- it's got these paddle shifters on the back. And I was very confused about this for a second because I, I keep pressing them just to see if they do anything as I'm driving. Mm-hmm. I change the driving modes. They, the paddles don't seem to do anything. I watched I rewatched Doug DeMiro's video. The paddle shifters only add or subtract regen power. So oh. stock, as I'm driving the car, I let off the gas or the accelerator pedal and it just coasts like a regular car, which a lot of EVs are programmed to do. They're mm-hmm. supposed to like feel like a regular car. Yeah. So you let off, you get no regen. It's not as good for efficiency, but hey, you get used to it like a regular car. Mm-hmm. You can hit the plus on the paddle shifters and add regen little by little until you like the amount of, of regen you get. And, and then it, you can get to one pedal driving. Yeah, 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 That I thought was really interesting. I don't know if anyone would ever find that or know what they're doing as they paddle shift without watching a video or reading about paddle it. Paddle shift seems like too convenient of a thing. Like I would almost rather rather paddle shifters like control my volume than like True. do that How? and just like gradually increase it when I start a drive or something. I did like. think that, yeah. How often do you really change regen? Well, yeah, why do you need to do it that often? I yeah. It made me think, like, maybe for some of these EV cars where they're worried about people not being used to, like, regen and everything is, like, 
you have it set to slowly increase the more miles you put on the car. Mm, maybe something like that. I, I mean, mean, while also being able to manually change it, but yeah. like to slowly get people into that. Cause it's clearly, and like me as someone who drives an, an ICE vehicle, like when I come and I, I dr like get the chance to drive some of these EVs, I'm still really confused by all the regen. Like it's very different for me. And right. I see how people can like not be used to it at first and have to get used to it, but yeah. it's clearly the better thing to do. It is one of those things about driving an EV that you you just have to go f dive right in and get yeah. used to it. Um, and it turns out like the second you do get used to it, this is like, I've said this about a lot of things about EVs, but the second you do get used to it, it's it just makes sense and it's one pedal driving, you don't really wanna go back to two pedal driving. Well, it's one where it has crazy benefits. It gives you, you the regen and it, it makes it so your brakes like barely ever need to be changed. Like you increase exactly. the lifetime of your brakes tenfold because of it. So yeah. that's huge. Like there's no downside to doing it. Yeah. Um, when we drove the uh, the Rimac Concept 1, that also had paddle shifters and the paddle shifters changed the gear. So if I shifted down, I could shift into reverse. And if I paddle shifted up, I could go into neutral, into oh, drive. Right. And then also if you were in like the sport mode, you could go between the two different gears. So I could downshift yeah. into a different electric gear, it had two gear ratios, so that was kind of crazy. That's like, I don't know why I was expecting the e-tron uh, to do that too, but yeah, it's just I don't really get, my Impreza has battle shifters and it's a CVT motor, so it doesn't even have gears. Like it just really- <laughs> Wait, so what do your pedals do? Sense. Mine do, so it, it essentially takes the way the transmission works. Um, since it's not a gearbox, it, it's a little different. Um, right and it's continuous, but it basically just like creates fake gear levels in that continuous belt-driven system. And then uh -huh. you can pretend you're at like first gear, second gear, third gear. So wow. like it will, you know, rev the engine up more or whatever for that. And I've just, you know, it's one of those things where it looks really cool, it feels really cool, but then you just absolutely never use it. Yeah, um, yeah, the, the cars that I've driven that actually use paddle shifters traditionally are really fun. Oh, yeah. where you actually shift through gears with them mm -hmm. and like can downshift whenever you want. All that, that's crazy fun. So it was interesting seeing that in the car. Yeah. Let's uh, get to the, uh, you said you had a couple things on the exterior that you didn't like. We'll, yeah. we'll want to go that first because this is clearly like, it's a looker. It, it's a good looking car. I think Yeah. I personally, I believe it's Nardo gray. I'm not 100% sure, but it is that uh, like uh, non-metallic gray color. It's, it's so glossy, but it's yes, definitely. It looks similar to it. I think this one has a bit of a blue hue, so I don't know if I would I would describe it exactly as Nardo gray. But on the things I like, I mean, the shape is cool. It isn't a hatchback, but it does have a pretty big trunk. The trunk opening is small, but the trunk is actually pretty big. Mm -hmm. uh, it does have a real front trunk, uh, so I like the sporty shape of it. The things I don't immediately love: one, the wheels, they're kind of like aero cap ish but also i don't know so it's hard to do silver wheels well in my opinion i love mm. black wheels like no matter what and this is like a big silver wheel with like half aero caps trying to look sporty uh, i think they're 21s it's just it's a bold look on that car i'm not a big fan of the wheel design second the black plastic on the front of yeah. the car this is uh this is something we've seen on some other evs like you got to figure out how you want to do a grill in fact, I was gonna I was gonna do a video all like talking about all this stuff. I might have cut it from a previous video, but it's like, or I think I did actually talk about this a little in a dear Tesla competitors video. Okay. But when you do an EV, there's suddenly a bunch of things that you have to now consider that you didn't have to do in a gas car. One is aerodynamics are uh, much more efficient for your efficiency, or much more important for your efficiency, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you have to do some sort of efficient wheel. 
And two is you don't need a grill anymore. So mm -hmm. what do you do on the front of the car? And, uh, you know, Tesla's had black plastic. They got rid of it. The uh, Mustang Mach-E has had either body color panel or a black panel, which I like there the body color. There is a black color. plastic one as well. That looks very similar to this, just bigger. Yeah. And I hate it. I don't love this black plastic on the e-tron. It's got this like hex pattern on the yeah. front and then there's all the sensors underneath it. I wish it well, was body color. That's the one thing is like, you don't need a grill, but you do need way more sensors than like regular gas cars have that do have grills. So like it has this kind of half of a fake grill with these giant cameras underneath it. I think my biggest issue, and this is something Hayato brought up, was like it's a very glossy black plastic that looks very similar to like really bad infotainment systems inside cars where the borders of it is like this really glossy fingerprint yeah. ridden. And the, the reason it stands out a bit more on this car is because it also has a black trim around under the headlights yeah. so you have this really beautiful color gray like one of my favorite colors in a car followed by a black trim which looks good is glossy but then you have another black gloss next to it that's different and you can just see the difference between them and it looks yeah. far cheaper than everything else right yeah so that's I, you know they might play with that a little bit in future versions but that's something i didn't like about the design the rest is great other I love than that the, i think it looks great yeah it looks great it's got the bar tail lights which i'm a sucker for it's like it's a it was a really nice car. A lot of carbon fiber going on in this trim. The whole roof. Is the whole roof fiber, is carbon yeah. fiber, but like the the mirrors are carbon fiber. The half the dash is carbon fiber. I'll probably tr try to drop some pictures in here so people watching the video version can see it. Yeah. Um. Really, really like that interior. It's hundred and forty thousand dollars, so you should it's like the interior yeah, yeah. for that price. But Etron GT about two hundred forty miles of range. Okay. Yeah. Which uh, that's around the minimum I think EV should have. It is. Yeah. What I'll say about it is I didn't get to drive it much. I got to drive the Taycan a bunch. I think I still like the Taycan better, but if I were going to drive a car, if I only had one car and it was my daily driver, this interior feels more like a more comfortable everyday driving car, daily like commuter, whereas the Taycan, it was so much fun because it felt, and maybe it's just the trim that we had, but it mm -hmm. felt like I was on a racetrack no matter where I was going. I was just like, deep in the seat, I felt like I should have a full racing harness on. The wheel made it feel like it was gonna like pop off like a racing wheel. It just like, it felt like I was racing no matter when I drove this. When yeah. I drove this, it at times could just feel like a regular sedan driving around, which is great. Yeah, yeah. you know, the interior is really similar to a lot of other Audis. Like if you get, if you see an RS7 or something, uh, a lot of it is very similar. I mean, those are also expensive, but. Yeah. GT Grand Touring, just comfortable driving around. It's obviously much mm -hmm. much sportier than a lot of other cars, but that's the goal is to be sort of a comfortable touring sports car. It vaguely reminded me of when we had the NSX here because that is a car that is awesome, is amazing. It is a looker. It's fast and everything. But when you drive it every day, it can just be a super comfortable sedan. Impressively, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. We got a little more tech to talk about, and then we're also going to do a Q and A. We've got a bunch of questions from you guys about, I guess, kind of anything, October yeah. tech, whatever. So we'll come back and we'll do that. Support for Waveform comes from Coda. So it can be tough to stay organized when your team is spread across time zones. With Coda, you can help keep your whole team on the same page with an all-in-one collaborative workspace that brings together the best of documents, spreadsheets, and apps into one platform. That means less time ping-ponging between different tabs and tools and more time on your projects. 
So with Coda's extensive planning capabilities, you can stay aligned when managing planning cycles and while measuring objectives and key results. Plus, you can access hundreds of templates and get inspired by others in Coda's gallery. So over 50,000 teams across the world collaborate with Coda, from the New York Times to Square, uh, from Toast to TED and Uber. So if you want a platform that enables and empowers your team to collaborate effectively and focus on shared goals, you can get started with Coda today for free. You can head over to coda.io slash wave. So that's coda, C-O-D-A dot I-O slash wave to get started for free. Coda.io forward slash wave. All right, we back. We back. So uh, tell me about this HTC stuff. We're recording this, yeah. by the way, on Wednesday, and mm-hmm. the event will be Thursday, so we haven't seen the event, but you've seen the press materials and gotten the lowdown on what HTC is going to announce. Yeah, and... This is obviously released Friday, so we wanted to make sure we could talk about it, but we needed a briefing beforehand, too. Uh, and they were giving briefings out, so I just took one this morning and wrote down a bunch of notes, so I'm kind of explaining this to Mark. Yeah, you tell me about this. Yeah, everyone listening may have already seen it. If not, go check it out. Um, mm-hmm. So it's called the Vive Flow, and I think Flow. the best way to describe this is I'll start out with what it looks like, and then um, Shen over at HTC it did a great way of kind of describing where it fits in the lineup that I'll talk about later, and I think that kind of puts puts where this is very well. Um, so essentially we all know Vive, like we have a Vive Pro at the office. It's VR fantastic, headset. VR headset. Um, generally when you think about it, you think about it as connecting to a computer, you have base stations and sensors all around and you have controllers and it's like incredible VR experience. I love VR. I still say it is like one of the most futuristic tech things I think like that's really out there because in the sense of like, showing somebody it for the first time, any VR that is, it's like the most magical experience to someone who's never seen it before. I've never seen someone hate it. I've always seen just people like in pure awe when they try it. As long as they don't get motion sick. Uh, yeah, as obviously that would <laughs> yeah. probably not be as magical. But um, so we have the Vive Pro here. They also created the Vive Focus pretty recently, which is a standalone. Um, okay. And then this is called Vive Flow, which is a much more portable version of it. So I want to say imagine glasses. It is, it's like they're like immersive glasses. Now, not as small as like a typical Ray-Ban. It's got a very like steampunk giant brass circle front to it. It's it's still a big headset. Okay. But it is in re like uh in relevance to other VR headsets is far, far smaller. So it's still a VR headset. Still a VR headset. But it's much smaller. Yeah, you're not like looking through it. You're still fully immersed into a pair of, into virtual reality, right? But rather than having this big, heavy headset that comes like a few inches off, you know, like six inches off of your face, it's much more compact. It's held on with just side rails, like a regular pair of glasses. You don't have a full-blown strap that goes over your head. You know how like a lot of Vibes also almost have like weight in the back, so it kind of counterbalances. This is 189 grams. Um, They found that most of the phones that were running it were usually heavier than the headset. Yeah, I was gonna say the iPhone's like 220 grams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So super light, very compact. The lens, the, what do you call the sides of glasses? Why am I blanking on this? I'm calling them rails. that's a great question. Someone's, okay, I'm Google. just gonna call them rails, and what you guys can just rip into me. What are the sides of called? Uh, legs or arms? Some call them legs, others call arms. them arms. I'd rather call them arms. Let's call rails. them arms. Okay, arms. Yeah. so glasses, arms, they fold up like a pair of glasses. They compact very small. Okay. Um, so 
to kind of go with this, the the way Shen described it is like, if you were to look at Vive's lineup, kind of like the way we look at computers, if you look at a desktop in a lineup of computers, it's like, it will always have its place as top of the line, most powerful. When you really want to get something done similar to us, like you edit and you render on your desktop because it just gives you the most power no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of like the Vive Pro. Like the Vive Pro, it has to be hooked up to a computer. It has base stations, but you're getting the craziest experience possible, like the top of the line, right. everything. Sure. If you look at a laptop now, it's still like extremely powerful, can do a lot of things that a, a desktop can do, but will never quite hit that range. But you're gaining some portability out of it. So that's kind of like the Vive Focus. You now have a standalone headset, still as controllers, still as a bulky headset, but don't have to connect to a computer, can bring it some more places. Mm -hmm. Then you have something like a tablet, which is like you're not expecting to get the most insane performance out of it, but some general entertainment and the portability of it is way easier than a laptop, way easier than a desktop, obviously, which is not portable at all. And that's where you get the Vive Flow. You now have this like, very portable, a little less capable, but you're sacrificing that for the pure portability of it. I love that analogy and I'd love to stay on it. So okay. I, I have both a laptop and a tablet yeah. and I often find I only really need one of them because it's, it's kind of binary whether something's portable or yeah. not. Like my desktop is not portable yeah. and my laptop and my tablet both are portable, but I usually pick one or the other, mm -hmm. and I, I end up usually bringing my laptop. You've seen the design. Do yeah. you feel like there's a big enough difference between Vive Flow being super small and lightweight yeah. that you'd substantially differentiate it versus the larger one? Yes, because the main thing is is how it can fold up and be compact and the weight of it. So rather than similar to, I mean, like the Vive Focus, which is the standalone um, yeah. One that I compared to a laptop, it still has controllers and it's still about the same size as like our Vive Pro. Is it like an Oculus Quest type size? Yeah, pretty pretty similar. Okay. Like, And you can still imagine that like it's still taking up quite a bit of room in your backpack. Yeah. The Vive Flow now, when it folds up, it fits into this, there's a carrying case for it that almost looks like a thermos. I'm saying like, hmm. what's the best way? Like a, a maybe a case? taller, a bit bigger than like a tall boy soda or beer. Mm -hmm. You know, like easily is fitting in there, not taking up that much room. Right. Um, where like a tablet's sort of similar to that. I mean, a tablet and a laptop portability is pretty close, but like laptop charger, if you have a mouse for it, it's like obviously quite a bit bigger. Right. Um, so what this is, the main thing it seems like they're really focused on this is kind of two things. Travel portability. So like when you look at this, you're not getting quite the gaming. There's still games, but not the gaming experience of like a Vive Pro but you're getting this giant immersive screen no matter where you are. And all of this is powered by your phone, which is also, really, you're not bringing controllers with you. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Okay, sorry, so, I, maybe I didn't explain it. So this is a screen that is wirelessly connecting to your phone yep. to power a VR experience in this headset. Okay, got it. Yeah, I think you got that right. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a VR headset that is wirelessly connected to your phone and your phone is basically mirror casting this into there and creating a VR experience from Got it. it. So up against your glasses, you have a cinema level screen that you can watch movies on. You can mm -hmm. do relaxation stuff. That's another thing they talked about a lot. So like if you're riding on a plane and you want to watch a movie rather than use the small TV on the front headrest mm. of the person in front of you, <laughs> you now have this like 
giant screen that you can watch on. That's um, that's a really good example. Actually. Yeah, and and what's cool about it because it's just mirroring your phone. Yeah. Rather than having to use a bunch of like proprietary software, or go through like we just saw the Oculus Quest the other day go down because you couldn't log in with Facebook. <laughs> You're just mirror casting here. You can use your Netflix. You can use your Disney Plus. You can use whatever streaming software you have on your phone. And now you're just watching it. YouTube. Personal, YouTube. Now you're watching it personally <laughs> to you. Uh, I mean, the first thing I thought of was the one time on a plane we were traveling and I tried to watch Wolf of Wall Street, which has some pretty um, lewd scenes <laughs> in want, it pretty, pretty early on. You don't want anybody looking over your shoulder. Basically. And seeing some like weird stuff. I mean, and then like these are totally normal movies. So, but like sometimes you just don't want people to see you watching that. Sure. So like you have this opportunity now to see something like that. And also it's just, way more like beneficial and ergonomic to be watching something that's right up on your face and looks huge than this like small yeah, TV screen. Yeah, I was gonna say the, the ergonomics, I mean, a lot of times, you know, the plane doesn't even have a screen on it, but like you can put what will probably look like a much bigger, higher quality oh, screen yeah. and with headphones, you're mm-hmm. you're you're in a theater kind of, Yeah, which is way better than, so you know, airplane. It screen. does have speakers on the arms, but it also can connect via Bluetooth and use okay. like, noise canceling headphones they use as an example on a plane. Um, I mean, even think about it, if the plane doesn't have a screen, how many times have you like propped up your phone on like the tray table with your hoodie or something like that and you're watching on this like little tiny phone and and now you're just casting it onto there. What I also thought was really interesting since they don't have controllers is rather than using your phone, like when you think about using your phone as the controller for this, how would you imagine using it uh interesting i i kind of imagined it would be in my pocket and i'd be controlling with something separate but if the phone's a controller i guess i gotta hold it in one hand mm-hmm. and hopefully the accelerometer plus me using it like a remote control yeah. works so the, it uses since your phone has like an accelerometer and a compass and everything like it uses it as a pointer and essentially mm-hmm. it creates these larger buttons on the phone that now you can just point to the menu selector, play pause, or whatever you need to do okay. in there without having to take the headset off and look on your screen and like hmm. um, click on stuff like that because obviously your eyes are covered with a, yep. a, a pretty large set of glasses. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And if you want to play games or something like that, you can connect a controller to your phone like you would with Stadia or Xbox remote, but now you're playing it on the screen right. in the Vive Flow instead. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I. It sounds really interesting. To me, it's like, wow, HTC is clearly really crushing the hardware side of VR. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they've made this thing that, you know, assuming we get it here and it like satisfies everything we're talking about, it's like it really would encourage you to bring a VR headset yeah. on the go. But why would I bring a VR headset on the go is the other half of that question. Like, is there some... Obviously, media is one part of it, yeah. but is there some couple of games? Is there a killer app? Is there some reason why I, I just got to have VR more often? Um, and HTC, I'm sure, will help find some of those use cases. Yeah. Honestly, sitting on a plane and watching a movie in the headset mm. sounds like the best version of this Media headset. consumption sounds awesome. Yeah. To me, like the number one thing would be media consumption through traveling like that, yeah. where I can just completely clonk out and I kind Back of- Backseat of a car on a road trip, watching a movie on the screen yeah. with headphones. Uh, and true. especially on a plane, like I don't need to always feel like I'm in a plane crammed with a bunch of people 
inside there for six hours going yeah. cross country. Like you're going to miss, do your, that, miss just, your food though. The food cart's going to go by. You won't well, have any. They did actually specifically say one benefit of it being very light and not a full strap is like at any time you can just lift it up. Yeah, and, but you got to like, know. You got to know you should lift I, it up. Yeah, you got to yeah, smell the peanuts I mean, or something. Same thing with headphones too though. There's always that part where I have my like Bose's on while we're traveling and I always like, I see them, the stewardess or steward start to move and I like move it back to just make sure I don't miss yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's all that with the capability of now still some games and stuff like that if you do want to play. You know, maybe you want to, I don't think, I don't know if it has Beat Saber. I hope somehow it has Beat Saber on it, but I, would, uh, I, would I, play, I have not confirmed that. I would love to play Beat Saber sitting in on an airplane <laughs> in the middle seat, just like <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not elbowing people around me. Uh, no, that sounds really interesting. Uh, do we have a price? I'm sure this is I, like the last second stuff that'll do, get announced. Uh, $4.99. Four ninety nine. So that's right, a little bit over the top of Oculus Quest, but you're paying for the convenience of traveling more. Yeah, and you're paying with the. Uh, it's like the convenience of it is also how it's so much of it's controlled by your phone and just like a small battery bank. They said pretty much any battery bank can control it or can oh, yeah. power it. Um, I guess that was that was going to be my other question. You make mm-hmm. something so small and so light, it must not have a very big battery. You're saying it has no battery. It it has enough battery to where if something came unplugged, it'll shut down properly and okay. let you fix stuff, but um, it it can be run with either a battery bank. Um, they say 10,000 milliamp hour battery bank will last you five hours. And they very specifically told me five real hours, not this like garbage laptop battery mm-hmm. five hours. Um, and that it's not recommended if you are someone who uses your phone a lot, but if you plug it straight into your phone, your phone will also power it. True. Yeah, so like you can a... just use your phone to power it. Um, right. They also have a pretty cool little adapter that they're having that is a single USB-C cord that then splits so you can plug into the Vive and also plug into a battery bank so it'll just power everything pretty much. Got it. Um, so if you want to charge both things at the same time. Yeah. I thought that was kind of neat. But yeah, lots of other cool stuff. They talked a lot about relaxation and meditation and well-being. Like if you wanted to do yoga in your living room and kind of change up the environment have like a, a well-being app that's a little more relaxing to meditate. Uh, stuff like that all seems really cool. I'm not someone who does yoga or anything like that. The only other way I saw it is I have this like little acupuncture mat thing that's really nice to lay down on and just kind of like mm-hmm. relaxes you, makes your back feel really nice because my back's all torn up from climbing and I'm an old man now. Um, but I can't watch TV when I do it because I have to be laying fully down. Oh. Um, throw these on, and now I'm like <laughs> relaxing, looking up, and I can watch something. I know that's such a niche case, but like, yeah, it, it's nice since there's no back strap. You don't. You can lay down fully. That's the difference. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I was gonna say they should they should focus on examples that are outside of the house because I feel like if I was in my living room, I could still use. Uh, something like the Oculus Flow or the, or sorry, the HTC Flow Oculus Quest because the standalone headset can be moved from room to room like a laptop. Yeah, yeah. The, but if the I'm focus, on a train, fo- sorry, focus, mm-hmm. good one. And if I'm on a train or a plane or an automobile, yeah. then it's in a backpack and I'm using it where I wouldn't necessarily want to use the bigger one. Yeah, plane and train seem to be what they were talking about the most. Cool. Um, but but it's it's, again, it's one of those things where, like you said, it fits in the lineup. Like, yeah. this is something for traveling. I bet a lot of people who have this will also own a Focus or a Pro or even a Quest. Maybe they do that. Like, maybe they have a VR setup at home. Maybe they have one for traveling now. 
I, I think it's a cool branch into this more portability and more accessibility mostly with the phone stuff that yeah. I'm kind of excited about. I can't wait to try it out. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I will also try it out when we get one, hopefully. Um, all right. Well, we'll take a quick break again and then we'll come back. We got a Q&A section. I'm sure that I'm hoping there's some good questions. I'm crossing my fingers <laughs> for the video viewers. You can tell. Uh, so let's do that. Let's be right back. Cool. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI power gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you, you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte. Team up. Fight on. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we're back. Adam graciously 
took down a bunch of questions, put them in a doc for us. We're about to read them, but I have a quick question. Mm -hmm. When you use Twitter, there's like two dark modes. Which dark mode do you use? Because all of these are like black. Blackout. Really, you use black too? Yeah. I use the like blue dim one. Yeah. I like it a lot better. You know what's funny? I, I think I used to use the blue dim one and then I posted a screenshot of a tweet on my Instagram story and people said, wow, you don't use the blacked out Instagram right. or the blacked out Twitter dark mode. So now I use the blacked out one. Yeah. I'm yeah. team dim. I, th I think they just call it dim. Yeah, it's there. like evening versus night yeah. or something. I think yeah. it's a little easier, but uh, <laughs> all right, right off the bat, we have one from Tech Gal. Uh, what's in store for Intel with Apple making its own chips and now rising popularity of AMD? Also thoughts on semiconductor chip shortage and what do you think triggered the cringy Intel ad? Um, <laughs> yeah, cringy Intel ad, we definitely have our thoughts on that. Go to the studio channel to yeah. see our best thoughts on it. Yeah, we've already reacted um, to it last week. Yeah, that also. Uh, what do you think triggered Intel to make it? Definitely all their competition, but also yeah. a little bit of a lack of awareness of how that looks. <laughs> I mean, yeah. a lot of ads is lack of awareness to yeah. how they come out. Um, in terms of, yeah, they definitely have crazy uh, competition, like AMD's really coming out with some great stuff. And then Apple, you have to think, is a huge, huge business aspect of Intel because they were Intel and now they're making their own chips. So, you know, they're kind of losing out on that. Let's start. They've done a lot of ads recently. They do like, and I always feel like they focus on touchscreen and two-in-one laptops as being like, the big thing that Intel does so well. And it's just like yeah. the two things I really don't care about when it comes to a laptop. Yeah, I think that's what we were talking about when, when David was here. I was like, so do people think they're buying a laptop because it has Intel inside? Yeah. Or are there 75 other reasons you buy the laptop before you think about, oh, I wonder what brand makes this processor? Yeah. I, but like he pointed out, like AMD rising. There's a bunch of other stuff happening. Uh, uh, I don't have a ton of thoughts on the chip shortage, but it's chip obviously- shortage I don't know that Everywhere. much about. I just always wonder, like, whenever we see these shortages and stuff like that, is how long are they going to like ride that as an excuse for things not coming out? And this isn't just Intel. This is literally everywhere. It's everywhere. It is everywhere, and it is clearly a problem. But how long are we going to see this as an excuse for a while? Because it becomes a thing where, like, can you really confirm how bad the shortage is anymore? Can we confirm these places? can't get good chips. I mean, this is borderline conspiracy stuff. Yeah, but you, you really do get a lot of headlines about like Apple cannot order enough of a chip. Mm -hmm. Like companies, like car companies especially, they'll, yeah. they'll make, a lot of these cars have multiple chips in them and they want to place an order of X million chips because they're going to put one in every car and they can't make that many. They can't get that many. Mm -hmm. I do definitely think we're going to be hearing about this for a while. I think though. it'll it's, be, yeah. It's got, it's, it's kind of in everything. Like literally everything. Yeah. All right. We got another question here from uh, Josh, the Josh Morton three. Do you think Google will ever actually release a smartwatch? We need a good pixel slash Android watch to compete with Apple style. I guess the Apple watch. I have one gripe real quick. Yeah. Apple style. I do not want an Apple style smartwatch. I want a round yeah. smartwatch that looks like a watch. Um, I know what you're trying to say, but I just want to nitpick there for a second yeah so this is this is a question that's been asked many times and we keep getting new wear os stuff and we keep getting these like hints of oh maybe there'll be a pixel watch will they ever make one i don't think i can rule it out but i wouldn't they'll definitely make one eventually but their latest announcement was like partnering with samsung to, right yeah that's why i don't expect it anytime soon when you when you think of the pixel phones by the way you always think of like excellent software and really lackluster not that amazing hardware 
So to ask them to spin up a whole other division to make amazing yeah. watch hardware is a whole separate thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, Josh, I wouldn't cross my fingers. I wouldn't hold my breath for that anytime soon. There's a bunch of other good Wear OS watches that are pretty decent for Android phones, but I, I don't see a Pixel watch. Maybe I'm a pessimist, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. I mean, they have to nail the Pixel first before they do a Pixel watch. So yeah. I think we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, we'll wait for them ever travel to different places to do the podcast, like a different city. Ever? Yes. We've actually done it a couple times. Mm -hmm. We've done a CES one. We've done, we did one from the car. I guess it was in the same yeah. city. We but did one in a hotel room at, that was, was it an Apple event? No, there was an Apple event one where I spent the whole night trying to figure out how to oh. unplug my refrigerator so it would stop making noise. Yeah, um, so we've done yeah. a couple. We'll, we'll continue to do few. more. If you haven't noticed, there hasn't been a whole lot of travel globally yeah, in the last year or so. So it's kind of held that back a little bit, but definitely don't rule it out. I mean, yeah, it, it usually, while it doesn't add much to it because, you know, there's not a lot. I guess we'll have to do a video setup. Woof. That. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah, we have a lot of stuff to work out if we're yeah. doing this again. Um, okay. But yeah, it'll eventually happen. Sometimes we just have to. It's just too busy. We're a weekly podcast. It's got to happen. Yeah. Oh, I see one. Uh, the reviewing every iPhone ever video was yeah. great. Is there going to be one for Android? I really want to do one. And I think the way I would have to do it would just be uh, to do every Google phone. So we obviously iPhones yeah. made by I Apple, you just go straight from the first iPhone to now. I think with this, I would go from T-Mobile G1 to like, maybe I throw the Motorola Droid in there, but then you have to go just... Nexus phones up mm -hmm. until Pixel phones. I mean, it's it's even if you just, well, first of all, saying is there going to be one for Android? Like that is a lot of different things. Android is the operating system, not the Yeah, there's a bazillion. Yeah. That's why it's so much easier for iPhone. But like even just trying to describe one lineup is like still difficult for Pixel. I mean, I could do- Galaxy S a, series would probably a, be Exactly, I was just thinking yeah. that Galaxy S1 through Galaxy S21. Yeah, but you still then like- do we add notes? Do we add... No, no, just S. Just Galaxy S, S. Just S? Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be the easiest straight lineup to do. Yeah. Because even with the Google ones, you have Huawei ones, you have HTC ones, there are LG ones, they're all over the place, the which Google I think Play is also edition. interesting. Like Google, I think Google would be really fun. Samsung would be fun as well. Um, people just like to always compare, you did something for iPhone, why don't you do it for Android? That's, it's just not the same. iPhone is very specific. It's very easy to use that lineup. Android is a lot of stuff going on. So if we can find the right way to do it, that'll make a fun video. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, I'm drafting it. We'll work on it. Uh, Cindy Benjamin asks, be honest, how much caffeine has the team consumed for Techtober so far? Um, yours is an easy answer. Uh, zero for me, but sounds like the team the drinks teams, a lot of coffee. I mean, <laughs> like I said, the first half of Techtober has been bad. We do just drink a lot of coffee in general, though. Uh, Mark has uh, got a very nice coffee setup for the rest of the team here, and we make it pretty often. Uh, and by pretty often, I mean multiple times a day. So I think Adam has something brewing right now or did just before this. Um, but yeah, we like a lot of coffee. I'm a total sucker for energy drinks, too, which is something I'm still surprised. Like you have sugar? No, almost all the ones I drink are zero sugar. It's so usually caffeine. like taurine and cap or taurine. Is that what it's called? Caffeine, stuff like that. Um, there's one. I'm surprised you haven't gotten into it because of waking up early for tournaments and stuff. Like sometimes you just need that kick. You're a, you're a champ. I just get my blood flowing. Just like start running yes, around. Yeah. 
just gets me going. That's all I need. Um, but yeah, I'm huge on coffee. <laughs> my energy drink of choice right now is called Celsius. It's really, really good and a little different than like the crazy Red Bull and Monster flavors and stuff like that. Weird. This is an interesting one. Would you ever review a brain implant? Why or why not? I, it's, look, I never say never. I'm like Justin Bieber. I never say never. But I'm pretty sure I would never review a brain yeah. implant. Like I. We could hire someone for that. Because the, <laughs> the question though with like a, a brain implant, I'm assuming you're, you know, you're thinking about like Neuralink and the future of like augmented tech with your body. Those in their earliest stages appear to be permanent alterations. Yeah. Right? I, I so, mean, and it'd be so early, like. Imagine getting the Google Glass equivalent of a brain implant. Like, you don't want that. Yeah, let I'll let people ride <laughs> that out a couple years. Let the tech get better. Third, fourth generation Neuralink. Then we'll see what's going on. Um, so for the why or why not, yeah, it seems like you typically want to, yeah, wait for the tech to develop a little bit before permanently altering your entire body. That sounds good. Your brain. Um, I want to hear from Armchair, Armchair Critech. It looks like they're trying to say critic, but crit tech, play on words, like it. Um, one gadget from the past, bring it back and refine a little um, that's good for the next five to 10 years. So I want to change this a little bit because there's something that kind of popped into my head. It's not necessarily a gadget, but one thing that I really miss from tech a long time ago is playing games offline with others. Like it's something that is almost impossible to do these days because all of the games you buy are online and you almost always need online connectivity to play them. And while in theory that sounds super easy, like we all have Wi-Fi, we all have that, it's it's really not that hard and, and it's combating piracy. You know, If you buy the game, you can't just go offline and then play it and then other people can play it or whatever. Um, but if you like have a bunch of people coming over to play like some LAN games or something, and your Wi-Fi just can't handle all that, now you're all lagging, something's an issue. It's at the point where there's a really big um, tournament for Valorant yesterday. Mm -hmm. Riot themselves set it up, whole stage, everything. The client's still online and not local, and there are multiple instances where players, in a tournament that, it's their last chance, it's literally called last chance qualifiers to qualify for the Worlds event, and people were lagging out, and they were like, issues with players lagging and they're literally sitting across from each other like that's just ridiculous to me i miss the days of all of us bringing our tvs and xboxes over to each other's houses and playing halo all night and not having to worry about an internet connection and doing it wherever i want if i get an airbnb somewhere and i want to like bring some offline games to something i just yeah. want to be able to do that it's yeah. infuriating it's a really good answer i actually had a gadget answer okay HTC One M8 Google Play Edition. <laughs> Bring that phone back in a modern style. Like keep the huge boom sound speakers, but like trim up the square sides, push the screen closer to the corners, metal body, big battery, stock Android, new cameras. That's a, oh, I would use that phone. Sounds great. Nice. Maybe that's what the Pixel's gonna be. We'll see. <laughs> I think we've seen the Pixel already. Yeah. Oh, uh, someone asked, when's the Plaid Model S review coming out? We have a whole bunch of plans for car stuff as well. Now, here's the thing about car videos in the Northeast. We love shooting them, and I love making them, obviously, 
Uh, but in the Northeast, the temperature plummets right around yeah. November, and it goes from being like 60s, 70s, 80s every day to being like 30, 20, 10, mm-hmm. and it's really not fun to spend a whole day outside shooting a car video. So It's really not fun. Yeah, so we kind of have like seasons where we can go for a while for shooting car videos, and then we just kind of go a while without shooting any car videos. Yeah. So with Plaid Model S Review, I'm thinking I want I want to do that before it gets cold, but I'm not sure yet. I do have about 8,000 miles on the car, though, and I do feel ready to review it, though. Okay. So expect that at some point. We are, I have kind of a fun story, if we can rant a, or yeah. go off a little bit here. So I think it was like a year or two ago, we got offered to go to Tesla's, um, mm-hmm. it was like their testing facility in Alaska to yep. see how they work in like extreme cold weather. And we were like, yeah. oh yeah, we're going, got ready to do it. Um, then like an earthquake happened in Anchorage and we weren't able to fly out and we were so bummed about it. And then like that next week in New Jersey, we made our video on the McLaren 7, 720S, yep. I think it was. And it was so cold here. We had the most miserable time shooting it. We had we would go out, shoot for like five minutes, and then we had a car that just had the heat blasting the whole time, and yeah. we would jump back in, and all of us looked at each other and were just like, I can't believe we thought we could go to Alaska. We would <laughs> not like, have survived. We were not equipped to do any of that. And yeah. Um, so yeah, it gets really cold, and that makes it so, so hard to shoot car stuff. Yeah, yeah, literally we would get out the car, leave the heat going in the car, shoot for like five minutes until our hands were numb yeah. and you couldn't actually feel the record button anymore and then you'd have to get back in the car and thaw your hands It again. was like an RDX or an MDX and it had a heated steering wheel and we were like, people were reaching over just grabbing the steering wheel to try and warm yep. their hands back. Yep, that was, was the time. brutal, yeah. So we wouldn't have survived. No. <laughs> um, here's what one question. I haven't thought of my answer, but I like the question, so I'll just toss it over. Okay. What is the most underrated tool tech or not in the studio for producing videos so that's I, a really good question because we have a lot of non-tech tools that yeah. i think the reflection blocker that we made oh that's a good one it's like yeah that thing's like four years old it's just a piece of poster board that we cut a hole for the lens to stick in so that all of the buttons and stuff on the camera don't reflect in glass mm-hmm. um so that's probably the most used like filming piece of equipment that's not like a tripod or a camera or a microphone or lights. We use that for every single video we shoot. On top of that, a lot of people don't know this, like shooting a a phone or any sort of reflective surface, that that was cut out of a black piece of foam core. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have a bunch more of those that will literally just hold up to block reflections. So I'm shooting a video, I have the camera in one hand and I've got the phone in the other hand. And then like Vin is on the other side triangulating to block the reflection yeah. so that we don't have glare on the phone when we're shooting that stuff. So that might be the most, I never Oops. talk about this, but yeah. that might be the most underrated. Under Yeah, definitely most underrated. I mean, there's also some, if you're a grip or have worked on a film set, there's so many things that are super important that people who don't do that, like sandbags. The amount of stuff that is held up by just sandbags, like there's a huge light right over a bunch of cameras right now. And without some sandbags, it would probably fall down. We have another flag over there that without a sandbag would probably be constantly falling on top of us and breaking yeah. things. Like there's just, there is a lot of non-tech stuff that's super important. Half-size Apple boxes. We just, don't have just any Just ordered a bunch of okay, half-size yeah. Apple boxes. Apple boxes are also huge. Yeah, they're huge. Is there any tech ones that are specifically underrated and super important? 
you know, I, I always come back to this and maybe it's not underrated anymore since I've talked about it so much, but the lens I use far more than any other is Sigma's 24 to 35. And before that, it was their 18 to 35 for uh-huh. the same reason. It's a wide angle, fast zoom with close focus distance, and it's sharp. I, for some reason, I can't find any other lens that satisfies all those things. Canon makes an 18 to 35. It's not as fast and it's not as sharp, but it's close. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 18 to 35 on crop or 24 to 35 full frame. It's great for like first person shots. But at 35, you can get right up on something and yeah. get really close to it. So it, it's like I only need the macro sometimes. And it's F2 or T2, so F1.8. So it's a fast lens and it's very corner to corner sharp. We've got all our filters for it. It's just like I almost never need to use any other lens. It's awesome. Um, but it's not underrated anymore because I've talked about it already. What's an so. overrated piece? What's something the that's camera. over? The camera itself is the overrated? I hate saying that because I love the no, camera, I, but it gets yeah, too I much totally credit. Agree with you. It mm-hmm. gets too much credit. Like anytime someone sees a great shot in a video, they're like, well, of course it looks good. It was shot on an 8K Monstro camera. Mm-hmm. It's like you can you can do crazy things with other cameras it's not about the camera or the 8K as like people like to focus yeah, yeah. on as much as it is about the technique and the lighting and all the other things that go into it. So I think the camera gets too much credit sometimes. Yeah, and like you've never disagreed with the fact like why do you buy a red camera? Like you could probably get something super similar with a, you know, R5 or whatever. It's like, Facts. yeah, we could, but there are still so many benefits of having the bigger, yeah. the bigger it's, frame and resolution. And it's like, like the that. tool makes it easier but yeah. the tool is not necessary. It's like if I'm a golfer and I got a a driver that was like, you know, five years newer than my old driver, it's not going to totally transform my game. I still have to swing the club. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like I wouldn't switch back to the old driver and I love the new one. But like, come on, you got to hit you got to hit the ball yourself. Yeah. So that's my analogy for sports for the day. This one's really good. I just don't know an answer to it. Go for it. I might have an answer. It says, I know you guys touched on tech and farming while covering John Deere software debate. As a new farmer, I enjoyed hearing you guys talk about some of the stuff I'm working with. What industry that isn't mainstream, phones, cars, computers, is taking a massive massive tech leap? So what other industry that's not like a mainstream tech-focused industry? I mean, first of all, all of them. Yeah, everything. Much. I have a weird, maybe oddly specific answer, but I do have one. I get asked a lot about the overlap between tech and sports in Ultimate Frisbee, which Mm -hmm. is a relatively young sport. Like in the NBA, we have advanced analytics everywhere. Like you can track like how far players run, how fast they run, every single little thing about every game. And in Ultimate, there isn't the budget for that. So like we've got cameras on the field, you can measure yardages and things like that. But uh, this season for the first time ever in the pro league uh, that we played in, we had these little GPS trackers that we mm-hmm. wore while we played and got a surprising amount of information out of it, like how much people are cutting. We got we got hot zones for completion percentage versus location on the field. So if you're That's scouting, awesome. you can be like, I know when my matchup's on the right side at the 50, they usually throw it out the back with a hammer. It's like you can view a lot more of this advanced analytics, and this is the first year I've really felt like a big step it's was scary. taken. So I'm excited for the future of like ultimate and actual tech happening, but... What actually, another thing in sports isn't necessarily just like stat tracking and all that, which is clearly getting much better. Um, what I do really like is when it comes to professional sports with, with social media and the the accessibility of cameras and recording information, like all these athletes that we've loved 
because of how good they are at sports and the little interviews we get to see, we're getting to see more personal aspects of their lives. Like you were on JJ Reddick's podcast the other day. Yeah, That's awesome. You're getting to see this behind the scenes stuff you never do. Um, with the Devils, there's a player, PK Subban, who has a YouTube channel now and, and right. does a bunch of stuff like that. I'm getting to see the behind the scenes of hockey and stuff like that. I do love that. It, it's a really cool, maybe it's not the best answer because I'm sure you're looking for something like uh, a little, very more specific. Sports I'll throw in one more. Okay. Uh, so Bryson DeChambeau is a golfer. Yeah. And he's been he's been doing the same thing. He has a YouTube channel. He's one of the most popular golfers in the world, but he's also one of the best golfers in the world. And he mm -hmm. vlogs a lot of this stuff. He did he went from long drive from winning the Ryder Cup. He's a major winner and he he's like vlogging the behind the scenes of all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Super cool. Yeah. So hey, the internet's giving us a little peek behind the curtain sometimes. Bryson, you're invited on the podcast. <laughs> PK too. Yeah. He's right in New Newark also. So Oh yeah, it's a New Jersey player. Okay. Or is he, he still plays in New Jersey? Yeah, he still plays in New Jersey. Sick. All right, I, th I have a question here. Okay. And maybe you can, actually, this is good for you. So, will with the increasing number of car manufacturers announcing EVs mm -hmm. and the rapid increase in public EV charging infrastructure, do you still think it's a good investment to buy an ICE car in 2021? Mm -hmm. And this is great for you because you're in that exact yeah. decision tree right now. The, so here's my biggest problem with the question is, the term investment. Do I think it's a great investment right now? Probably not. Um, do I think everybody buying a car has the choice to make buying a car an investment decision or not? I don't think the majority of the people have that. The majority of the people buying cars are buying cars because it's something they need mm -hmm. and it's something they need to be able to afford and it needs to fit into their lifestyle. So there's so many more things along there. If, you're, if you have the luxury uh, maybe not luxury is the right term, but if you have the privilege of being able to buy a car as an investment, then I would probably go EV. I right. think even in general, they just seem to be cars that are most likely going to last way longer than gas-powered cars. So just in an investment opportunity, being able to keep it as long as possible means you're getting better value from your investment. Just that and right there is a better investment opportunity. Mm -hmm. But also resale value going forward, we're going to see more and more EVs. Um, but it that doesn't mean a good investment doesn't always meet a lifestyle choice. Um, right. He added a follow-up to okay. it also, which is a little more specific. He said, with the expansion of charging infrastructure and ubiquity of EVs in the next decade, will that cause gas prices to become too high to justify the lower cost of ICE vehicles today? So you're saying, if you're going to own this car for the next decade, yeah. will gas prices go up so much over the next decade that the difference in cost would actually have been better if you just went with a higher-priced EV today? And that's like kind of crystal ball, like looking into the future. That's do you like think an, someone who's uh, like mastered economics and stuff like that. We are not those people. <laughs> yeah. um, I can't see, I can't imagine gas going up that in a, in a decade. A decade is not that long. A decade's um, not that long. We do see a lot of really big promises from a lot mm -hmm. of these companies as far as building EVs and that infrastructure in the next one to two decades, yeah. which is promising. But just my quick answer to this, I don't think a decade is fast enough to say that you no. should go EV now just for that one economic mm -hmm. reason. But that's something to keep an eye on because that inflection point will hit eventually yeah. where it's like it no longer makes sense to buy a gas yeah, car. Yeah, that will hit eventually. Um, yeah. A couple things in there. One, the price difference between a, a gas car and a an EV right now is, it's a really big, I mean, you can yeah. get a really nice like mid-sized sedan for 20 grand. Mm -hmm. The cheapest mid, 
or EV you can get right now is 40, right? Model yeah, the three. cheapest reasonable EV. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Okay, that has a decent range. I'll, yeah. I'll just call it the Model 3, I think, is the cheapest one I would consider, and that's 40 grand. That's double the price of some, of a gas car seeing yeah. a similar size to it. I cannot imagine where you would make up $20,000 in gas prices yeah. over 10 years. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, and then the other thing is we're seeing, percentage-wise, massive increase in infrastructure and stuff like that, but we're seeing it because the infrastructure is so small it's getting bigger. That percentage increase is obviously going to ramp down as more things happen. Um, mm -hmm. So it's still probably well over a decade away from being able to have as many charging stations as gas stations as we have in the US. There's a lot more to that. A decade I think is too short. If cars lasted for 50 years, then yeah, buying an oh, EV yeah. now would probably definitely save you the money over right. if a gas car lasted for there's 50 a bunch, years. There's a bunch of dials that you can spin yeah, to yeah. make the choice more obvious. Like if cars last yeah. 50 years or if like gas prices are going to you know shoot up. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, fully agree. Maybe and, we'll, we'll come back to this question probably in a couple of years. And personally right now, I will, I will be buying a gas car. Um, mm -hmm. I just, for the, the place I'm in with having a house and trying to start a family and everything, just like a car... For one that ones that I were looking at would probably be, I'd be paying at least twice as much per month for what I'm looking at. I'm looking at like a Forester right now, so you know, twenty five to thirty grand. Mm -hmm. It just it jacks up a lot. It becomes way more expensive, and and for me in my lifestyle right now, it just seems like what I'd rather be spending money on is is some other things than right. EV. As much as I want one, trust me, I cannot wait to finally make that. Yeah, till I'm in a spot where I can do that. All right, maybe I have a good question to close it on. Sure. Because this is what we usually close the year on, which is the smart blind smartphone camera test. Oh, we're not going to smartphone awards. We're going into blind yeah, test. Yeah, one of our la one of the last things we close the year on. So we're almost at having everything we want to use. Yeah, I know, but we the got, thing we want to use the most is next week. Right, we've, we were, we'll have Pixel soon, right? We'll probably have one or two other phones come out, but soon. Mm -hmm. So this question from Kartik is now that the iPhone 13 has color, that name. color profiles, we have those picture profiles, mm -hmm. will the camera bracket uh, have to be by default or tweaked? Uh, wouldn't ask if it was just a filter, but the whole baked-in processing thing is very important. So <laughs> I actually was thinking like, hmm, we're doing another blind smartphone camera test. Should we go, should we... <laughs> Should we make a little twist? We've thought a couple times of like separate brackets for specific things. Yeah, we, we've Maybe thought of this year. Basically, there's different ways to do this bracket. We've done it the same way every time, which is just a huge list of a bunch of phones and mm -hmm. mix them all up, point and shoot auto. And yeah, separate brackets is one way we've discussed like may maybe making it a little more interesting. Another would be uh, potentially fooling people and putting the iPhone with different color profiles against itself or against other phones like there's six profiles now mm -hmm. and does that is that something we may do or probably probably not but i do think it is an interesting question that like the 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 amount that someone prefers a photo could dramatically change based on which profile you use yeah which is I, interesting i think ultimately the the whole basis of the blind smartphone challenge is that we wanted to do a giant bracket based on like if someone just bought a brand new phone and we're taking pictures of it as simple as possible, that's what's going head to head. Now, in terms of different brackets, not necessarily changing brackets up, but adding additional brackets where we can start looking at portrait mode or night mode or profile or selfies and stuff like that. So um, 
that that sounds fun. We do have we've almost doubled our team size since the last one, so maybe we could do something like that, um, or maybe even do it on the studio channel or something. But I still think ultimately the main bracket will be pretty simple. This yeah. is how. 80% of people take pictures. We want to remove as many variables as possible for which something like this. Which is impossible, which we know from the comments every single year and the massive headache I get from bashing my head against the wall from people telling me how to do it. As many as we reasonably can. Yeah. Which we, we'll try. We go. I but, do like the idea of some other ones. Okay, so yeah. let's, I thought this question was going to go um, any guesses. So let's just do it anyways. Okay. Doesn't have to be winner. I have one, one guess. What's your guess? an Asus Zenfone will just do better than people expect. That just seems to be a constant. That is a very yeah. good guess. And I'm like kind of <laughs> mad because the last two years we've guessed, I don't think people were on that train. And I, in my predictions bracket, I've gotten really good points because I always put the Zenfone, Zenfone going will go pretty and it deep. did really well, yeah. Yeah, I will predict that, I'm thinking of the phones we'll have. I'm gonna predict uh pixel wins it all pixel wins it all that's a brave it's, pick for not seeing it yet you've got a yeah. lot of a lot of hope I you do. called yourself a pessimist before that's a very optimistic view so i you look know at you, Mr. i'm thinking Neutral. about the other phones that have come out this year and how good the cameras have been i've shot a lot with the OnePlus and the s21 ultra and obviously the the iphone and uh yeah, that's my that's my dark horse is a pixel. Has Sony it. ever made it out of the first round? I don't think so. And now this is not a huge knock against Sony phones. They have a lot of great features, but generally it's a very dull profile based on their auto. I'm gonna guess let's see Sony makes it out of first round All this right. year. iPhone has also never made it out of first round, by the way. <laughs> okay, so that's really not dissing <laughs> <That's>, Sony phone. <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah. That's, wow. that's probably a less... Man, I'm sure people are so pumped that it's never made it out of the first round. Less, lower odds, but I'll also predict one I do one still want to, like, I want to find a better way to start the bracket off because the way we decide it, how it goes is, like, kind of random, but also trying to make sure that no, like, heavy hitters are going against each other right off the bat, so it's fair, but I think there's a better way of doing it. If anyone has any suggestions, I almost want to seed them. It's kind of what we've been doing, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Or do we, yeah. I don't I don't think we can go full random because if like Pixel iPhone starts. Yeah, then that's rough. Yeah. All right. Well, that's where we're at now. We're, we're sort of drafting the idea and we'll be putting it together over the next few weeks. And when all the phones oh, are yeah, out. That's so soon. When all the phones are out, it'll happen. So either way, that's been it for this week. Thanks for hanging out and thanks for the questions on Twitter. I will say next time we do a Q&A, we'll probably also do it on Twitter again. So make sure you're following at Waveform, WVFRM yeah, sure. over on Twitter to get in on that. And I'll end it there. Thanks for listening. Catch you guys soon. Peace. Happy Techtober. Waveform is produced by Adam Alina. We are partnered with Vox Media and our intro outro music was created by Vane Sill. Still.